Welcome to Waves of Change podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Lara. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Waves of Change podcast. So happy that you're with us. Season four, here we go. First official episode of season four. Today, I have a very interesting interview for you. Today, I'm speaking with Tim Wilson, who's the Senior Advisor and Director for Maine's SEEDS program, which is a part of an organization called Seeds of Peace. And what Seeds of Peace has been doing since 1993 is bringing youth from various countries to a camp in Maine and letting them not only experience being with other youth from other countries, but also teaching them leadership skills. And as you'll hear Tim speak, one of the most beautiful things that they're doing um, at the camp is helping these youth to see each other as humans, to see past any sort of prejudice or um, preconceived notion because they're from a different country, but really seeing each other as humans. And since 1993, they have alumni from 27 different countries, over 8,000 alumni around the world, and have 40 plus peace building initiatives that have been staffed by their alumni. So the impact that they're making is incredible. And as you'll hear Tim speak about, they have gone beyond the camp in Maine to other expanded initiatives, um, even virtual. And so their impact is growing and growing. It was very interesting speaking with Tim as he's one of the first original employees of Seeds of Peace since they started their work in 1993. He has been in charge of running the camp in Maine since the early 90s. And as you'll hear, he is full of some incredible stories. And that is what this interview turned out being is really just hearing the incredible stories that he has from his decades of work with Seeds of Peace. As you'll hear him speak about the original countries and what the youth came from in the early 90s were Israel, Palestine, and Egypt. And as he gets into, he gives us his insights on that. Uh, He has a lot of experience also in that area in the Middle East. And it was very interesting to hear his insight as someone who has experience not only working with people from those countries, but living there. As we all know, that is an area of very high conflict right now. And I think it speaks to the importance of the work that Seeds of Peace is doing, training up youth, training up the new generation to be peacemakers. A couple of highlights from the interview. One uh, quote that Tim said is that God gave you two ears and one mouth. And really, a lot of what they're teaching the campers is to learn to listen before you speak, which I think all of us need to be reminded of daily. You know, Tim also ended the interview by saying the kids that came to the camp, the staff, the delegated leaders, they really became a family. And I think that's beautiful because what they're doing is they're bringing together people from other countries and through this experience are becoming a family together and um, 
it just goes to show that this work is important. So without further ado, I will let you get to my interview with Tim. Here you go. So today we have Tim Wilson, who's the Senior Advisor and Director of Maine's Seeds Programs. And Tim Wilson is going to be speaking to us about the organization Seeds of Peace. Seeds of Peace is a leadership development organization committed to transforming legacies of conflict into courage and to lead change. Tim, thanks for being with us today. Uh, it's my pleasure. As I, you know, as I was really looking forward to this. Um, I, I had a chance to check who you were and what you were doing, and and that's a your class act, and I'm glad I've had having the opportunity to speak to you. Oh, thanks so much. You're so sweet. Um, well, we always like to start every episode um with just the origin story of how Seeds of Peace came to be. Well, uh, it, it's really interesting because the man who started his name is John Wallet. He was um, one of the beginning people on CNN. He had a program there. He wrote for the Hearst Papers. Uh, we're going back to, you know, the 90s, uh, 1990s. Let's start off with the 90s. About 92 is when I first had any inclination of what he was trying to do. And uh, the first trade center bombing was in March of that year, 93. And he was at a dinner in uh, D.C. And there were the ambassadors, you know, many ambassadors were there. And I can't remember the lady's name. She's passed away years ago, but she was like, the, she got people together all the time for these parties or mm. dinners in D.C. And John was there and he proposed to the ambassador from Israel and the Charlotte Affair from Palestine and the ambassador from Egypt, uh, if, if we could do this, would you send 15 boys uh, to, to something in Maine or to a camp? He didn't say Maine then, but to something that we want to put together. And uh, they said, yeah, okay. Well, before they could back out the next day, he put it in his column in the paper. <laughs> got it so, in writing got it in writing so it was born and it was uh it was an amazing thing he had we had he he decided with his youngest son who had been a camper at a camp called Powhatan it was it was a camp who'd been in Maine since 1921 and the son of the owner uh, his name was Ira Bloom the son's name was Joel Bloom, and he he was Dr. Joel Bloom. He was one of the first people ever get a, a doctorate in camping from Columbia. Oh, and, interesting. Uh, fantastic man. So John went to Joel and said, could we do this? Well, Joel had a, you know, had the camp, and the camp ran. You know, summer camps back then were eight weeks long, and kids came for eight weeks. That's since changed over the years. But anyway, he, he said to John, well, you can have him come up at the end of camp for a couple of weeks in August. 
So John got a little money together. And, you know, I guess he, he had a little nest egg of paintings and stuff. And he sold some of those, put together the money, and uh, 45 kids came from those three countries, Israel, Palestine, and Egypt. So it was Egypt, Israel, Palestine. They came. The boys were approximately, most of them were 13, 14 years old. Mm. They came for two weeks at the end of the last two weeks of August. Now you gotta understand, Maine's cold. Right. <laughs> the last two weeks of August is not like, you know, July. Mm -hmm. So they came and they were in camp uh, and there were a few Americans also were a part of it. So actually, the alley, there were 47, 47, 48, counting a couple that came in for a while or left, came and then they were there and then they left early. So we also had staff that stayed over. And so for two weeks, that was the beginning of Seeds of Peace. Wonderful. And that's how it started. And it was, and it, you know, and they got me to be the director of the camp. The co-founder's name is Bobby Gosschuk. She's a social worker, unbelievable woman. And uh, she came up to visit camp to talk to Dr. Bloom. And while she was, while she was in camp in July, she asked Joel about, could they get me to stay? At first I'd said no. And then Joel called my mother and he, he knew my mother and father from when he first hired me in 1960, because I was one of the first counselors of color in a, in a, in a white camp mm. uh, in those days. Very cool. But he talked to her and my mom said, yeah, I'm okay, I'm good. He can stay for a couple of weeks or more. And it was sort of one of those things where he, he says, your mom's on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's how I got got to be the director. Wonderful. And that's how it started. I love it. And can you describe what the, the program looks like today? Oh. <laughs> I'm sure different than uh, well, well, 30 see, years ago. You got to remember that uh, there were no females. Mm. Okay. And uh, we we were at the signing of the uh, Oslo Peace Accords on the on the, on the Rose Garden, and that fall, uh, in '93, we were invited by the president, uh, President Clinton, to be there. And afterwards, there was a like a luncheon, but it was you know, Middle East style. You're on the floor, you're eating hummus, you're having a great time. Oh, cool. The, the kids were having a great time and there were some adults and in that group of adults was Queen Noor from uh, Jordan, wow. Barbara, Barbara Streisand, Hanina Shwari, who was then the chief negotiator uh, for the Palestinians. And they were told by John to come and talk to me about females coming to camp. Mm. Well, I was sitting eating on the floor with the kids, and I and I see you know behind me I felt something. I turn around and these three women standing over, you know, standing over me, 
uh, I think back about that. It was it was pretty funny because Queen <laughs> Nor said, uh, "Next summer you're going to have girls at camp, aren't you?" And you know you got to remember now. I, I you know co-ed camping is not something that was in my. I, I'm not a proponent of co-ed camping. Okay. Got it. So I po paused for a few seconds, and uh, then she said, "Well, my husband, talking about King Hussein, and I are going to make sure that Jordan is coming, but we also make sure the females are coming." Mm. So I'm, I, in other words, so I'm sure you're going to have females and and the other people, you know, right. and and uh, Hanin and Shwari piped up. Oh yeah, I definitely think they're going to have girls. And I said, oh yes, ma'am. And so that was the end of that. So the fall, <laughs> fall, the following summer, we had girls. We went from from the forty-five to one hundred and twenty, some odd twenty-four, I think, wow. for that second summer. And uh, it was it was what I call the real beginning because you had females there. A lot of things changed, but the biggest thing we found out in the first two summers was that you had to have a space where kids could talk. Mm. And that space had to be, you had to have a couple people in the space that facilitated, which now is dialogue. And, and that's been a, you know, been a part of seeds all these years that it was, uh, it was developed to the extent that the dialogue uh, the kids began to control what they wanted in dialogue. In other words, they set up their they set up their uh, their ideas about how things would be handled in their space. Uh, they had these, you know, community you want to call them laws or community action pieces where this is the way we're going to talk to each other. And they, you know, it's it's uh, it's an amazing part of camp. So that over the years, and even to the extent, once a day, ninety minutes, these kids, you know, in camp, they would come to a specific space and have that, and and that's like a cornerstone. And you, you had the other things that are typical of camp, you know, water ski softball, soccer. And when the India Pop kids started coming, then we went 2008, arrived at camp. Cricket became also a part of camp. Mm. And it was always a pleasure for me because I'd always laugh because the girls from India Pakistan would beat the boys in cricket all the, <laughs> all the time. It was, it was hysterical <laughs> watching, but it became, a, it became an integral part of what we were doing the kids had an opportunity not only to talk to each other, but live together. And also the dining room was set up. You had a different group you ate with, a different group you lived with, a different group you dialogued with. And then you got the chance to be in all kinds of other activities. We have something called group challenge. It's high ropes. It's all those kinds of things mm -hmm. that you do where you're, partnering or you're working with teamwork in a very different way and we had a great we call it a group challenge course a 
and that added to the dialogue piece. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't you know, always you know apple pie. There are times when things were tough, but in general, I always felt that we, uh, as as we developed the program, all these little things fit together. You know, you went from you went from three countries mm -hmm. to when the Balkans had their war, we were, we had kids coming from the Balkans mm. during that particular period. Then you go into India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Cyprus, you know, it just moves along. And in between that time, you have Tunisia, Qatar, Kuwait. You had, you know, the Gulf states also in different times, different ones of them being a part of it. Interesting. So, so it really, you really got a flavor for the Middle East, but at the same time, you also got a flavor of other parts of the world too. How are the students or the campers selected? And let's take Israel, for example. They had a selection process there where the kids went through applications and interview process, and then they were okay through their Department of Education. Mm. That somewhat changed in the last five or six years where the Department of Education in Israel doesn't do that anymore, but the other part of it still is. Before it was, John's purpose was to make sure that the governments supported the kids that were coming. Our process is somewhat similar, but everything we did is, is uh, for Maine, is it's school. We went to schools and like, we, you know, the first group were from uh, the Portland area. They came from, from uh, two middle schools. And it were like 20 kids and, and uh, it progressed from there to we realized they were young because the kids from the Middle East and other places were older. They were, we were doing middle school kids. They were doing high school kids. And some of them were 15, 16 years old. So we changed in 2002, three to high schools. So the three high schools in Portland and later on, it was Lewiston High School. And I know you've heard a lot about Lewiston because of what happened there. Mm. And in Lewiston, but we, we recognized that, that we had that we wanted to do it with schools so the school community would benefit from the kids that went during the summer. The kids went back, worked in their schools to make their communities better and from the standpoint of just educationally learning about people who were different so they could share what they learned but at the same time uh, uh, give a, a, a better view of what the world was about especially when you have a state like Maine that's that does at that time was not you know it was a state that was white and you know one of the whitest states in the United States right and so that was developed by this process and uh, so, so in the other countries, it wasn't done that way necessarily. 
Uh, I lived there from 2002 to 2006 with my wife. And so we helped the departments of education in both Israel and Palestine. And Jordan had already started with school-based programming uh, because of Queen Noor and, mm, and right. King Hussein before he passed away. They had befriended me and therefore they talked, their people talked with me and I visited there and uh, they, you know, the king had a school and so his kids, some of his kids came here for for, for season peace. And I believed in that that format that, that you got schools to be supportive of the kids that came. So when the kids came home, they had a community that was welcome. Right. Yeah. But you can't always do that in certain parts of the world. It just doesn't it doesn't work. And now it's even more difficult because of the war. And what what will come out of this, no one knows. Right, yeah. Um, is there any curriculum that's being taught while the kids are at camp? The curriculum is based on, um, I guess you can say, a process that was established going back to like 96, 97, right around there, 98, because you have educators who would come with the kids. So you had a, a educational, a teacher's program, if you want to call it that. And they would work on curriculum that they could use in their schools that centered around some of our precepts, some of the goals and you know, that were set at seeds. You know, we, there are different ways of putting it, I guess, with dialogue, the intent of dialogue. Right. Is that the kids learn how to listen. We have, we have, it started years ago with me, with my parents. There's a saying, God gave you two ears and one mouth, and you meant it the other way, it would have been the other way. And, <laughs> And, you know, just like you just laugh, the kids would laugh, but then they would realize what I meant. And that is learn to, to listen before you speak. And that has, that has a lot of play when you got a group of kids who come from some of the places where some of these kids are coming from. Interesting, they, yeah. They all, they all feel like, not all of them, but many of them feel like I've had struggles I'm going to tell my story, what you did to me, okay? Mm. And so everybody's trying to outdo who did, you know, who who was who was the bad guy, right? Well, first you got to let them go through that a little bit, and then you work it out by saying, "Look across the room at each other," and I and I marvel at how some of the people who who were facilitators and some of them over the years who began to train facilitators that came from the regions so that they were better able to deal with the questions and not just Americans as facilitators. Because a lot of people from here have never even been there. They have, you know, they look at a book, but they right. haven't been. Okay? So what they would do is they would sit 
and they would look at the kids and the thing that came out that every morning when I would talk is I would try to get the kids to understand person you're sleeping next to the person you're eating next to they didn't do they didn't do you any harm so don't take it out on them what you feel about somebody where you live who's done this you know John would always say you know make one friend it was important to him that they work at that so that came out of the that's a part of that whole curriculum now with me, it was, you got to first work at learning how to communicate with someone. And then you've got to decide when you, when that's done, okay, I can trust what he's saying to me, which then helps the person with, with that term respect. I didn't right. say like, I didn't say like, <laughs> I didn't I went to the reality of respecting that person is another human being. And it was all, it was drawn up like a stool with three legs. And the seat of that stool was, was many different things as we went through the years. It could be, it could be, you know, your family, something in your family that you want to do better with by using this. A job, I mean, you know, you extended it as the kids, we called them peer support kids, some of the kids that would come back for a second year that was even developed even more for them. Mm. But the, but the whole idea was, the whole idea is, is very difficult sometimes to explain. We do a lot of things the easy route, not cause it's, you know, a fork in the road. The easy route is always, oh yeah, okay. Somebody else can do that, all right? Uh, you know, I'll put that off. The hard route is taking it on. Right. Is is looking at it for what it is, is learning about it before you 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 make a decision. You you know, you, you the process of learning, the process of education, the process of we always say be the best human being you can be. I didn't say the best Palestinians, I didn't say the best the best human being you can be. Now that's not being simplistic, that's just being honest. And so, yeah, we've had success. Everything's been perfect. We've also, you know, we're running into some hard situations right now. Right. And so people have to decide how, which way they want to go. You know, it's easy to blame. It's harder to think about how the other person is feeling, even though, you know, the old story is one guy used a brick bat and the other guy shot a gun. Uh, you know, people got hurt on both sides. Right. And, and, and one of the hardest things now is people want you to take sides in this in the situation in the Middle East and it's always go find out. Don't just take what they tell you, go find out. And and it's not just me, but that's what what back to the educators, that's what we were trying to do with the educators is give them information based on all the materials you could find, not just what their materials that were being handed to them. Dig it out, use the libraries, do research. And there are many manuals and things that were written for teachers that helped them. In some places, those things were not acceptable. 
because they said things that people didn't necessarily want other people to know. I mean, there's no better way to say this than is, is that fortunately in my lifetime, I had a chance to sit with Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, very when, cool. When I was a senior in college. And, and I had a chance to ask her about the Middle East. When when I was twelve, you know, right around in there, my father purposely gave me things that I could read about a, a gentleman named Ralph Bunch. He received; he's the first person of color to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. Mm-hmm. And the people don't even know who you're talking. We know what I'm talking about. People, I don't know what that is. Well, you go back and you read what he tried to do after '48 which to the Palestinians is Nakba. I mean, what what happened when the Israelis, the European Israelis, took over Palestine because the UN decreed that area. But when you read about it, and you read through all the things that occurred before that, the Belfort Declaration, after the First World War, all the things that, 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 you know, what happened with the Holocaust, all that stuff feeds into what we're faced with now. Because the historical things that fed to Israel being established, and then right. what happened at what happened after Israel was established, it's not being anti-Semitic at all. It's, 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 understanding and seeing what occurred and then making a a consciousness decision about how we're going to treat people as we move along what happened you know i'm going a little bit far but it was october 6th 7th rather right that that issue was well known before then about the hamas and their constant behavior as related to you know, we'll kill Israelis. They don't belong here. This is ours. You know, never have this kind. This land is ours. Da da da. da. That's I heard that ad nauseum from you know from the beginning from from ninety three, and I heard it before then because I'd been traveling in the Middle East since nineteen nineteen sixty five. I was in Peace Corps. I was one of the. Oh, very I was cool. in very early Peace Corps you know, volunteers, I guess my perception is very different in that I, I spend my time with kids. I, I can't, right. I can't deal with adults and some of this because they're never going to change some change to the degree of giving the opportunity to people speaking. But when you can get the young people and talk to them about this whole victimization of, of the, this situation, both sides have paid a price, one more than another for all kinds of reasons. But the point is, when you can slow that picture down and get people to sit and think about what do you want, how do we get there? Right. And and there were some people who worked at that, who were trying to get there. But right. you know, th- things have changed. I mean, what's gonna, what's it going to be? 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. 
what what's going to be the repercussions of what's going on now? And now it isn't just with Seeds of Peace and organizations like Seeds of Peace that are trying to do their very best. And the other part of this also is uh, people have to remember when you have organizations like this, especially when you become America and you go to another country and you're, you know, the way it started out, oh, here's the Americans are here to da 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 da. Right. But we have, we, you know, we haven't looked at what's going on here. Right. Now, yeah. Now we're forced to. So what you have is what started off with Seeds of Peace in 1993. And here we are in 2024. We are working with kids around the United States. And there, there is a whole new, larger program working with Americans. Oh, kids, from, kids from Syracuse, Houston, Los Angeles, you know, uh, Chicago. They become the seeds of peace, you know, uh, domestically, and some of the things that Maine did have been incorporated into uh, broadening that program. So when you start talking about where we are now, it is we're looking at ourselves as we develop and work with these countries that we have been working with, and countries who want to be involved with this this effort. That there aren't, you know, they're just talking about now. How do we do it? How do we come and become a part of this? Right. So, so that's that's where we are. The new folks uh, who are now developing the strategies for Seeds of Peace are working very, very hard. And one of the things that that they're working and thinking about is uh, uh, not just having camp in Maine you know, the camp in Maine, they got to do as you talked to me again, virtual programming is a way to, to deal oh, with right. kids who may never get to camp. You do clubs, and you do virtual things and work with the kids with some of the things, the comments we, that I've been making. Uh, that can be done. Some of it's been being done. And it's getting, you know, more, uh, it, it, it's actually working out right now more than I thought possible, but it's going. You've got to think about how the Middle East could have a camp with kids, say in Cyprus, okay? We did camping when I ran the program in the Middle East and I lived out there, we did some camps, winter camps in in, uh, in Cyprus. And oh, get very kids. cool. And we did a camp in uh, in Greece. Oh, well, some of those things that we did now make sense, right? And you know, the idea of coming to the United States, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. But you partner with people that may have something that they want from you that you could help them with, and they're willing to work with you with because you've been at it a long time. And some of the ideas you have can fit into their ideas. Right. And we have, we have people who were seeds, alumni who are now, you know, they have their own businesses. They, they're working for different companies, you know, in the private sector, but they're also in the public sector with nonprofits and things. Some of them are doing some amazing things and they want to do 
continue to do stuff with seeds. Very so cool. all, all, all that's out there. Now it's, now it's what it is, is the realization of how to make that fold together. And I think that the, the new administration is working to develop that. Do you have like a favorite success story from an alumni? Oh, it's hard to, it's just hard to pick out. I'm sure I you think, have a lot. I think the very beginning that set the stage for us in 93, I've told this once or twice, but in all the time, I don't really, you know, you hit me with one. I think, it, I think it's apropos for me. We had, uh, we had those 45 boys. And uh, we have something called color games. In those days, it was called color war. It's something that you do, all camps do. We, right. Uh, whatever. We, well, we, we, it changed to the extent that they call color, color games now. When we first started out, it was color war. We split the camp in half. And uh, we did a two-day, day and a half kind of thing with these kids. And they were loving it. It's soccer, and we taught them how to play softball, a little bit of teaching them how to play American football, basketball, swimming, you know, ping pong, whatever. Whatever we had going on, we had the kids put up. We had this one-year-old little young guy from Palestine who had uh, ear pieces in because mm. of hearing and also because, he, you know, they were keeping it clear. Right. But yet he wanted to learn to swim, so they taught him how to dog paddle. <laughs> well, they did races, and you got, you know, if you, if you, if you made it to the end of the race, you you've got an eighth of a point or whatever. I mean, it's just how, this, how they, they made it to points based on what they've been doing for, you know, for all those years at, at the boys' camp in Powhatan. Anyway, uh, this this guy got in the water. And he had both teams, and they were, you know, the whistle blew, and they jumped in the water. He jumped in, and he dog paddled. He dog paddled across, and he, and he finished. They, I mean, both groups, I don't care if we're Palestinians or, or Israelis, they were jumping down, screaming and hollering. Um, this, this kid hugging him. Well, at the end of that, there's a ceremony at the end when it's all over. And there's a campfire. And, and, and the coaches give their shirts to certain kids that they thought stood out. Well, we had a couple of Americans there. And they were, they were, you know, captains and coaches. John Wallach was standing in the back, and the kids were passing out shirts, you know, the kind of thing where they call a kid up and da da da. The, the first ones were mostly Israelis. Okay. okay. John's walking back and forth, looking at me, and he comes over. He says, "This can't happen. We can't just have the Israelis get in." I said, "John, easy, easy. You see what happens." So lo and behold, the kid gets up and he speaks about this young man from Palestine. Well, this young guy that steps up, I had him in a middle school 
in Pennsylvania. His name was Omar Crawford. He was black. Omar gets up and he starts talking about this kid, mm. about how, how this kid had worked to learn to swim and how much he contributed to this team that he had he helped coach. When he finished, the place stood up and just roared. Oh, okay. so Concerts and everybody else. What that did for John was to show him how something like this could be interpreted and used to help kids make friends the way he wanted them to, but also to just be, you know, young people enjoying each other. Well, that, right. was, proven, that was proven when we were on the buses going down to DC and on the lawn with the with this accords. And there's a picture of the seeds of peace where there's Ixac Rabin, President Clinton, uh, Yasser Arafat, and they're standing there with these green shirts <laughs> <laughs> with the insignia with the three people, we call we used to call them three aliens on the front of the shirt. And that was the beginning. That was awesome. seeds of peace. That was that was that was a lot. It meant a lot. People saw it. They began to believe in some of the things we were doing, and some people still do. I mean, I mean we're talking now thirty years. Right. And there have been, been a lot of people to go through. For example, you know, you asked. There's a lady who right now was a counselor for me in 1999, 2000. She's now the impact chief officer. She's oh, one, cool. one of the people that's working to make this, you know, make this work. Yeah, that's very cool. It definitely sounds like it was something that changed a lot of people's lives, which was the goal, right? Well, yeah, and the other part of it is just the kids. The kids are important to me. Right. But also the staff. It's also the adults that came with them, the delegation leaders, uh, became a huge family. And, you know, they're all, many of them are impacted by what's going on uh, right now. Both I'm here sure. And all over. So, uh, you know, that that's basic to, I guess that's why I'm still around. Because I just, I just see kids growing. Uh, it used to be the same. We only let the kids lead sometimes. We'd be better off. But, <laughs> you know. I but, like that. Well, Tim, I so appreciate your time and so interesting to um, hear about all the history of, of Seed of Peace and all the wonderful work that has been done thanks to you and um, really appreciate you coming on as a guest. Oh, I appreciate being asked. Made my day. You know, when you get this age, just being able to put your feet on the floor, you're happy, but having an opportunity to speak to someone like you makes me still feel like I'm, I'm still here. Oh, I love it. Of course. Thank you for listening to Waves of Change podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Waves of Change POD. If you have a question or recommendations for next guests, email us at wavesofchangepod at gmail.com. 
And don't forget to subscribe to Waves of Change podcast and rate us to help others find us. And if you're feeling extra generous, please share this episode on your social media channels. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.